Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Giannis Sex, CEO and co-founder at WeFlow. Giannis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, great, great to have you here. Really looking forward to this this discussion, you know, with your background. So first, tell us a little bit about, about your background. Sure. Yeah, I, I started my first company with 21 that failed, then started my second one with 24. It's a company called Firebug, which I ran for eight and a half years. When I left, we were around 235 million gross revenue. We sold it on the way, then actually run the company which bought us, which was listed in Luxembourg. We relisted that to Frankfurt, did three acquisitions in 18 months. So yeah, quite an interesting experience overall. And then, yeah, went out and basically had to recalibrate what to do next. And for me, it was clear that I always continued to start companies. So I started a, a venture studio, which uh, regularly started new companies. I actually wanted to do 10 in 10 years, but that never worked out because I only did two in three years. One, one is a service now for mid-market, which was acquired by, Be uh, by Personio, a company called Beck. And then over time, I realized I want to go back for something long-term. It's the reason why I started WeFlow and yeah, I'm loving it. It's great. Oh, that's great. So startup life from age 21 and then salt fiber and then the venture studio now back into startup life. So I, I love that. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about WeFlow. What, what products and services does WeFlow offer? Yeah. I mean, WeFlow originally got started actually at Fiber, where I observed a lot of problems around data quality in the CRM reps not necessarily wanting to update the CRM because it's quite cumbersome and it takes a lot of their time, which they'd rather spend closing deals. And then from there, you have challenges around pipeline visibility, deal visibility, team performance visibility, and also forecasting. So this was really like originally started the idea at, at Fiber, and, and yeah, so it's a revenue intelligence platform, you know, basically in, in, you know, doing mainly three things improving your, your Salesforce hygiene, providing visibility into all the integrity opportunities and stuff that's going on, and then it provides you with more accurate forecasting, uh, which I think is, is quite, quite important. And as you know, you know, always in the intersection of finance. So yeah, happy to talk a bit more about that as well. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like this was your own pain point then that you had a fiber, you know, with, with that sales pipeline that, and that team. So then created this, this application. So tell us, so do you integrate into all the popular CRM systems then? And then who, who, are, who are you targeting for this? Is this, is the, is it set up to, for a pipeline for say technology and SaaS companies or really any company with, with a pipeline? Yeah. 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 Very good question. So we're currently focused on Salesforce. It's the largest ecosystem, as you know, right? Like 24% market share and mostly in the mid-market enterprise, I'd say. Uh, the default standard. So it's a product that products you can just self onboard and get started and immediately, you know, save two to three hours a week per rep in, in doing pipeline updates. And then, you know, we enrich essentially Salesforce data with our own deal signals to provide better visibility. And then a lot of basically workflows centered around, you know, one really process compliance. So how do you actually run a predictable and efficient go-to-market process. And then secondly, how do you provide visibility to roll up uh, across the different layers and making sure that you have a bottom-up forecast versus, you know, the typical top-down forecast you, you also do in the budgeting process um, from the, from the finance side, right? So I think like that's something I've always observed, right? Like the board having 
an idea about what the next 12 months should look like, finance doing essentially their modeling, but then the bottom-up planning and the, the top-down planning in very seldom cases come together seamlessly. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to make that a better process for everybody. You know? Oh, I, I totally agree. As a CFO, always looking for that commit number for my sales team. You know, what, yeah, what, what's that bookings commit? You know, so I wish I had a tool like this. So, so are you, so you're looking for companies who have Salesforce, so you integrate to Salesforce, and then the focus is on any industry or technology or tell us what, what industries do you go after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I think if you, if you realize that you bought Salesforce, right, and you, you have a feeling that kind of data quality isn't there, right, we can help you for sure. But I think, you know, the typical forecasting process probably most advanced in software as a service companies, B2B technology companies. So we typically target companies with at least, you know, five to 10 people in the revenue team, mostly centered around account executive. Also a bit of like customer success, account management, because they also work at pipelines more and more, especially in these times. And, and, and then, you know, the, I think the, the level of sophistication around the forecasting process established really depends on the company, but, but that doesn't mean that you can't have better visibility into, you know, team performance or really like deal signals enriching what's going on on a nitty gritty detailed level. Things like, you know, even th simple things like, you know, how long is the opportunity in a specific stage, right? Like, are you multi-threading? Are you, you know, like, what's your activities? Um, and, you know, it's quite interesting because you would think that these things come out of the box, but they don't. And most teams don't run that way. And and, and so, so I mean, you, you have a lot of store pipeline, loaded pipelines to see what comes into the pipeline. And what goes out of the pipeline from a start and end period is something that, you know, many teams struggle with. So you can basically get started within, you know, 15 minutes, I'd say. Obviously, every tool is only as good as you use it, right? So fundamentally, you have to run your operating cadence within WeFlow. That's like what, what our, most of our customers do. They run their one-on-ones, weeklies, you know, pipeline reviews and, and forecasting meeting in, in WeFlow. Okay. And so when you reach out to prospects... I assume you're reaching out to the VP of sales, CROs, and I'm sure every CFO who sees a tool like this is like, yes, this sounds good. I, I need better forecast accuracy. So do you have to convince the CFO and say the sales leader or really the sales leader and they say, hey, CFO, by the way, we're going to have more accurate forecasting? Yeah. I mean, typically we speak to the sales leaders and revenue operation teams and also the sales managers. I think that's where, you know, I'd say like that's our core focus. But as you know, right, times have changed. So 2019 to 21 was a pretty interesting times where mo many companies just bought software left and right. They didn't look at user stats. And, and I mean, you even see that in the latest uh, kind of vendor report where, you know, the ACV numbers dropped significantly. I think that's, that's due to obviously CTIS deceleration and just companies being a lot more disciplined. So. Yes, uh, we do talk to the finance teams as well, but I wouldn't say it's like the primary uh, decision maker or buyer. It's more like a approval. You know? But, you know, this is, this is, I mean, you know, in that sense, something that comes up more and more and also something where I strongly believe, you know, bringing finance and sales together in those type of companies is actually paramount. It's really what is often missing, you know, similar to sales and marketing, right? This 
standard conflict. And if we can help resolve that, I mean, that's, 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 that's a dream, right? Like, I think it's hard to do, but, but for sure, right? Like, uh, I think if you have better, you know, rigor around your core processes, around your stages, knowing exactly when to fill in what and your qualification criteria, so your SQLs, MQLs, and however you PQLs, right? Like are actually clearly tracked. Uh, it helps a lot to then level that up and build a better, you know, top-down model as well, right? So, so, so yes, I mean, um, I think uh, finance plays a, plays, a, plays a big role here as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I see a huge value proposition there. So I, I love that message. So when, when did you found WeFlow? We started the company in like 2021. So like basically started the company. I mean, you know, I started a few companies. Like this is my first fully remote company. So we're completely distributed. And you know, I think you, know, you can build great remote and on-site companies or really shitty ones. It really comes down to the core team and the people you can attract. And I think that's something, you know, I would you know, say remote is not cheaper in terms of people, but you find different type of talent. And yeah, it's been, it's been really, really good. I think the way we work is, is quite focused and productive for us. I mean, you know, I'd say everybody says that, but yeah, quite happy about it. Well, I did interview a founder who has an application to help leverage time and technology for all the remote teams. You know, so yeah, yeah. A lot of technology at play now for to handle that as well. Sure. So what, what, you know, what's, what's your current team size? Uh, we have 15 people. Yeah. So we're still 15. quite small. Yeah. We, we, we just okay. raised our seed round with great inventors and charity ventures. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, really been focused around building a fantastic team. And I think that's just improving the overall, yeah, revenue process. Yeah, that's great. And, and so you had the recent seed round, which we'll talk about. And, and are you generating revenue right now or pre-revenue? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're generating revenues. We're not disclosing ARR numbers at these days, but yeah, I mean, we have a bunch of very happy customers and obviously the core focus of us right now is growing, growing company, as you would imagine, after raising a seed round and focusing a lot on product in the last couple of years. Yeah. makes sense. And yeah, let's talk about that seed round. So you had a recent seed round, it looks like $3.2 million. And tell me about the triggers or milestones that led you to raise that seed round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for us, it was really centered around building a product user's loss. I think that's always like something, and especially in sales technology, I think you have a lot of companies which started from actually getting better visibility as an analytics tool rather than a workflow tool. So if you think of modern tools like Airtable, Notion, right? Like Asana, they're very easy to use. They're very intuitive. You can just go in and get started. And that's something we want to do for the revenue process, right? And, and so we've been really focused on just onboarding tons of users and iterating and the product. And we saw really good usage stats. And that's, I think, what excites investors, because if you can do that with, you know, hundreds of users, you can do that with millions of users. And uh, in this specific area, that's extremely valuable. So, so not just, you know, kind of the, the sales productivity part, but then also actually helping, you know, to understand what is the best next step, right? Like I think fundamentally, if you work on the outbound side, you typically work in companies like Outreach or Salesloft, right? And these are cadence-based. So you have specific cadences, how you run your outbound motions, almost like a task tracker. But in a pipeline, 
if a customer tells you, you know, call me in three weeks, you don't send them an email the next day because your task tracker tells you to to call to call them next day or, or send them an email, right? So I think pipeline management and forecasting is a lot more centered around, you know, how to improve the buying experience and how to make sure that you actually know what the next steps are. But that's even often a key challenge, right? No, I think, you know, is there like, and then on the visibility side, right? Like, I mean, the rep might know, okay, yeah, I, have, I have a meeting scheduled, but you can't see that in the reviews. And so, you know, there's no meeting scheduled, there's no next steps, that's a problem, right? So you should talk about it. And, and yeah, it's so, so yeah, but the, like the main trigger that was really centered around like the great user stats. Okay. So there's, and that is a common theme. There's some traction that then you can put in front of investors to, to raise their interest. And I'm curious with your invest, you know, your investor background, has that shaped how you now operate WeFlow at all? Has that influenced because you lived the startup life, became an investor now back in the startup life. And has that influenced how you, how you guide and manage WeFlow? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I spent a few years as a venture partner at Point Nine Capital. I think it wasn't mentioned yet, but like, um, yeah, I mean, of course, right? If you see, like, I think as a founder, what's very important to understand is that venture capitalists invest because they want a extreme outcome, and and so, so I think you should ask yourself: Is that even realistic with my company? And can we achieve that? Right. So I think, I think, and then I think that's just some tactical things, uh, how you, how you, how you go about it. I, I personally, you know, think that like you, you have specific, you know, focus times and as founder, you're always overworked with many different things. So it's very, very important to focus. You'll get a lot of investor inbound. Everyone will be super nice and interested to learn more. That's far away from actually, you know, getting an investment round. So really, you know, becoming very good at managing your time and not spending too much time on just, you know, hunting investors in that sense, or like talking to investors, but really being focused on, you know, doing that in specific sprints, knowing, okay, I go out now, fundraise, then paralyze track within two, three weeks, talk to everybody, you know, obviously ideally get introductions to the general partners at the funds and, 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 and do that, do that in person for sure. Um, and, and, you know, personally, I do like building relationships a bit earlier. I do think it's a good thing. Uh, again, 2019 to 21, some of these investment rounds we saw were overpriced and, and, and also created by formal. I'm not a big fan of that. I think fundamentally similar to working together with somebody on your team, right? You will spend a lot of time with your investor. So if I spend the next 10, 20, 30 years, ideally, right, with somebody, I'd love to know that person a bit previously. And then, you know, doing reference checks on investors, I think is a super important thing as well. And you kind of answered my next question about fundraising lessons learned that you'd like to share with the SaaS, uh, SaaS founder community, but, you know, big one, building relationships early. And you mentioned doing reference checks on investors. Anything you'd else you'd like to share from, say, the investor perspective for founders listening on lessons you've learned from that side of the table? Yeah, I mean, so I think every investor is 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 receiving a lot of inbound, right? So, so I think getting the attention from folks is not necessarily easy, and it's very easy to say no, right? And I think it's like fundamentally centered around trust. So, don't you know? Don't lie to investors in that sense, right? Like, I think it's very, very important, like, because 
they can smell it, they can see it, and 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 they'll they'll go out and just basically reference check you from three sixty degree uh, angle, right? So like they'll they have teams calling in on your customers, they have teams you know calling in on people you work with. They want to know who they spend a lot of time with, and so I think being aware of that is is is, is really important. And then typically the process involves like what happens when you leave the pitch at the investor, right? Is they have, they will have a bunch of very heated debates internally. So understanding their decision-making process um, early on is, is really important as well. And then I think what's also really important is like, can you trust, you know, can you trust that founder? Um, and on the flip side, you know, can you, can you, can you imagine working together from a fundamental, like cultural perspective is, is, is also not, not unimportant as well. I'm probably forgetting many things, but awesome. yeah, just a few, few thoughts. Oh, the, no, that was, that was great. There was a, there was a, a lot of great, great insight there. And it's funny because founders always say, Hey, reference check investors, but on the investor side, doing the same thing, reference checking founders, coworkers, colleagues, uh, checking out on that. So yeah, great, great insight for the founder community. So as you, as you guide and scale WeFlow right now, is there a favorite number or metric that you're focused on to manage the business? I mean, I think in SaaS, you know, the, the revenue numbers, obviously the, or like the MRR number that the MRR, but at this stage, right, is, is, is fundamental. And then the AR runway, right? Like obviously cash burn and, you know, kind of runways is, is, is fundamental, but I think these are fundamental outcomes, right? When you're in the stage we are in, right? Like it's, it's really centered around like what go-to-market channels actually work for you. And like, I think most startups start go-to-market channels and they're fundamentally bad at them, right? Because you, are, you don't have any resources to be really, really good at them. So, so focusing on the right go-to-market channel and then scaling that and, and understanding what works, I think requires a lot of experimentation. I always call it like, you know, you have the product market fit phase, right? And that is a moving target and it's, 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 it's not black or white, right? So it's like, it's, it's kind of a continuum and you even see companies right now, which had probably very strong product market fit 12, 18, 24 months ago, but because discipline has arrived, suddenly you're not part of the core tech stack anymore. And, and so your product market fit actually slipped, right? So, so I think that's one. And then it's like, really like, what's your basically market fit, right? Like, so, so your ICP persona messaging, and then what can you actually scale, right? Like after that phase, you, you get into that, 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 that level where it's really centered around unit economics and, you know, what are the investment and ROI in these different channels. And, and that, and that's typically, you know, when you, when you raise a series A and you need to be able to prove that. So back in the days when I was investing with point nine, you know, like these were fundamental questions we had. And we wanted to see early product market fit and then being able to scale that. But for the series A, you definitely want to be able to showcase specific metrics and specific channels that that basically outline what the, you know, what the financial metrics look like a few years ahead. Yeah, man, that great advice. I love that about your comment, product market fit slipping in say 2023's environment where you thought you had product market fit. And then, yeah, things have tightened up much more scrutiny on those products. So yeah, great, great uh, insight there. And you mentioned go-to-market channels that work. Do you have one that's really effective right now with with pushing WeFlow out into the community? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. So 
you know, from experience, what we did is we started, we started content very, very early because that is, that has always lead time, but can be a great channel. And I think it's it like, for me, all the channels always work, but there's channels that are more dominant. And as a startup, you don't have the luxury of going into many channels. So yeah, content for sure, something that's working quite well for us. And then, I mean, then, then I think early, the, the most direct channels always kind of outbound and out, outbound sales. And that, and that, that's typically right. Like the founder that sales, network sales, referral sales. And then for us, I mean, LinkedIn is, is quite, quite important as a, as a channel in communities. Right. So I'd say like, these are the three main things. And I think the content playbook is changing to, towards communities. I mean, you're, you're a great example of that, right? Like, I mean, it's pretty amazing what you've done with, you know, this community and the content you're putting out and it's much more centered around really, how can I help my audience with real tools that are very actionable and just help, like help them. And I think HubSpot is known for that and has done the, uh, probably the best job of all of the companies I know out there. Yeah, no, no great advice. Yeah. So we started content early, of course, outbound sales, founder led referrals network and LinkedIn and building that community. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that insight. So Giannis, appreciate your time today and sharing your experience and, and stories here. So what's coming up, what's coming up next for WeFlow? Yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, we're essentially a, you know, product led bundling solution around revenue intelligence, right? So, you know, after Salesforce hygiene and, you know, pipeline management, pipeline visibility forecasting, will expand into more areas that are very known. So, you know, things like conversational intelligence and just bundle more functionality at a very attractive price point and, you know, a next-gen product experience that is easy to use and really enjoyable. And yeah, I think that's like just what we're focused on and then just more go-to-market every day, right? Yeah, yeah, continue to push that. So. Yeah, Giannis, really appreciate your time today. If listeners would like to learn more about WeFlow, where should we send them online? Yeah, our domain is getweflow.com or just hit me up on LinkedIn if you want to chat. Happy to share around and I would love to connect. Yeah, okay. So if you'd like to learn more, check out getweflow.com or check out Giannis on LinkedIn and connect there. So Giannis, really appreciate your insight and sharing your experience today and thanks for the time. Same here. Thank you so much.